Welcome to the Inspiring Educators Podcast. We have an awesome episode for you all. We thank you all every week for tuning in. This week's podcast topic is teacher-student relationships. Why do teachers continually cross that line? We have an awesome team of inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves. Hi, it's Lila coming to you from L.A., I'm currently teaching at an all-girls high school slash middle school. I'm the CPM Regional Coordinator of LAUSD, as well as a Math for America Master Teacher in my sixth year. Um, We've been saying what we're grateful for, and I wanted to give a quick reasoning why we say that. As educators, so many things go wrong every single day, and it's really important that we try to um, kind of like what we said last week, went on purpose and think about what it is that we're grateful for. And there's something that was good and positive throughout that day or that week. And so um, this week I'm grateful for productivity. I, it took me a minute to get back in my beast mode where I'm ready to work. I'm not lazy no more from the summer. And I mean, I'm, I'm knocking stuff off my checklist. It's, it's, it's happening for and so I'm really excited for the productivity. If I can keep it going, I'm going to feel real good this year about everything I'm going to get done. Hello, 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 everyone. Coach Jay here. Jadrian Grimes coming to you live from the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia. Spent 13 years um, in corporate banking for one of the big five banks here in our nation and now transitioning into a career in youth development and education that I'm uh, very, very, very excited about. Um, what I'm grateful for this week, I am a coach, hence Coach J. So we did get a big win on Saturday, 34 to seven. Uh, my guys played their hearts out. Um, it's, it's just always good to see, you know, what you work on and go through um, during the week kind of translate over to uh, Saturday afternoon. So. Yeah. We bounced back. We took an L last week and bounced back this week. So I'm extremely, extremely proud of the guys. So I'm definitely grateful for that. Um, and having a new opportunity to do it again on this Saturday, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, say what you're grateful for. He did. He did oh, was, oh okay. you sleep, Chris. I'm totally, I'm totally off. I'm totally off. I was get waiting for my interest. Get up, get up. <laughs> so I'm Chris Childs, an academic rock star. Coming live from Polk County. I'm going to start saying Polk County and let people know where I'm from. And I'm a product of the Polk County school system. What I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for each of you that tune in to our podcast every single week. I truly appreciate each and every one of you, especially my educators that tune in because you're on the grind every single day. And we thank you for what you do. Tonight's topic is a hot topic and every year is all over the news. It's not one of the better things that happens in education, but it does happen. As we think about teacher-student relationships, let me give you a little background. Reports of teachers accused of unlawful sexual relationships with their students continue to make headlines. According to the Center for Sex Offender Management, a project operated by the U.S. Department of Justice, females account for around 10% of all sex crimes reported to authorities, However, a much higher percentage, over 30% of all teacher-student sexual offenses are estimated to to have been perpetrated by females. Now, when we think about today's age, we have cell phones, texting, and Facebook. They're the hot new tools in the classroom, 
But that's why the growing concern for this trend of sexual relationships or teacher-student relationships getting out of hand. Tech has brought students and teachers too close for comfort. To the point some students, some schools, some states and districts have prohibited texting on private cell phones for teachers, while others have attempted to outlaw teacher-student friendships on Facebook and different social media platforms. So as we think about this phenomenon, it's one of those things, do we even know if it's getting worse or it's always been there and now that technology is bringing it more to light and to the forefront? So this today's, this week's episode is going to be raw as it relates to teacher-student relationships. And we're not talking about the friendships, we're talking about the ones that cross the line when you do when teachers are doing things unlawfully. So I'm going to jump first question. Why do teachers continually cross that line? Ooh. I mean, it's hard to come up with a reason because I could never imagine myself doing so. It's I I, I'm I'm honestly at a loss for words. There's some things in the world that I just don't understand. <laughs> and that's one of those things that I don't. It it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Age difference, the inappropriateness of it, you know, the risk. There's so many negatives that it just it just doesn't add up in my mind. It's hard for me to figure out why someone would go there. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of totally with you on that. Um, I guess if I had to look from a lens, it, it seems a lot. It's like teachers are in an authoritative role or position mm-hmm. on a daily, you know. So maybe they feel like they could potentially get away with it, I guess, mm-hmm. in a sense, because they're in that position. They're the authoritator every day. Um, and understand too, I guess, on the outside looking in, I mean, they're around these children every day, weekly. So they're getting to know them on, I guess, know stuff about them personally, what's going on at home. And maybe they're using that, some of that stuff to their advantage, I guess, mm-hmm. and taking full advantage of the child outside of the classroom. Um, I guess that, those are my thoughts to start. Now, I'm going to take it a step further as a former high school teacher. One of the things when you teach high school, you think you graduate college 21, 22 years old, and your students are 17, 18 years old. So while obviously if a middle school to elementary is a huge age difference, when you think about your younger high school teachers, it's a closer age between Mm. the two. Yeah. a lot of times you read about high school teachers getting caught up in a sense. And I don't know, we can, can we really say they're caught up or they just crossed the line? Because mm. I had a colleague when I taught high school, he crossed that line and, was, and had different things, actions that were taken by the school board and different entities because he took it too far. Mm. So, so do you think they're just not being that close in age? I guess it's, in their mind, okay, I guess. In their mind, they're saying that it's, it's an okay relationship. Yeah. Like, you're just younger than me, and I'm a little bit older, but the thing, teachers in a precarious situation because you're in the authority over the student. It's not like you two, 
think about the 18-year-old college freshman versus the 23-year-old college senior. While there's an age gap, but guess what? You're not in an authority position over the other person. Yeah, I think it's the authoritative position in combination with the isolation um, that teachers sometimes feel. You know, if you go throughout your entire school day and you only interact with one or two adults and all you do is see kids all day, you don't build relationships with the adults at your school. I think part of that isolation where you're looking for some sort of, I don't know, companionship or something that's or a friendship, especially if you don't have something outside of work, uh, where oftentimes us as teachers, we throw our entire lives, our entire selves into our work, and it may not be anything that exists on the outside. If that's my, if that's my only world, um, I could imagine how someone might feel compelled to say, you know, this is my world. This is where I'm living. I get everything that I need to to sustain as a as a human being from from this space. When real, when really and truly, we need to make sure that we're separating our work from our personal. I think that's the key, though. Some people get so caught up in school that becomes their life, and the students themselves become a part of their norm in a sense. Mm-hmm. So it's how do you help teachers? And we're going to talk about different solutions and things teachers can do to help themselves not get caught up in these situations. But then there are teachers and people in the school system, I'm going to call them predators. There was a person I knew of, I did not know them personally, who worked at a high school, a younger guy, I think he was college age at the time. He would purposely ask the young girls on campus who was about to turn 18. Because he knew if she was 17, it was against the law. But if she was 18, he wasn't a teacher. He was just working on campus. But if she was 18, it was okay. So we have to think about those guys that are on campus as predators. And I'm not trying to stereotype coaches. A lot of times they are the ones who also get caught up in that because they're the quote-unquote cool person on campus, the younger guy. And they don't understand, like, at the end of the day, these are kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think what makes it hard is that, for instance, at my old school, a lot of those positions are people who work on campus, like our teacher aides, our um, our translators, our campus aides that do security. Those are people, the jobs don't pay that well. And oftentimes they have a requirement that they have to be people who are in college at the time. So their mentality, they might be fresh in college, just out of high school, you know, and not really understanding the severity of, you know, those types of actions or, you know, crossing that type of line. It's, I mean, I became across a couple situations where I'm walking past security guards and I'm like, why are you chit-chatting with these girls? They're supposed to be in class. Why aren't you doing your job and pushing them to class? You're instead talking to them about what they did that was illegal, by the way, over the weekend. So that already lets me know that you're already engaging in appropriate conversations with them, and that's out. We're not doing that. So then I have to be the person to say, okay, now I got to go report you. Who's your boss? Who do I need to tell? Matter of fact, I'm going to just tell everybody because at this point, it's, it's a problem, and it could be a problem on a whole bigger level that I don't even see. I just happen to be walking by and see you talking to three. It could be 30. But but think back when we were in school, you always had the guys. I think back when I was in high school, 
there were older guys who had graduated from high school or just older guys in the community used to come hang at the high school still and have a girl. So everybody's had experience where the guy had a nice car yeah. and he's hanging at the high school because his girlfriend <laughs> went to the high school. While I know it's a different scenario, there's still predators in the sense because these girls are underage. I just never understood. I, 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 I grew up in Detroit, like, and listen, I never understood when I would just see some of the homegirls or, you know, just people I knew and they getting picked up in the, in the big body truck. And I'm, I look at, they open the door and I'm looking like, you look 40 and you 15. Like, I, I don't even understand. To me, I, I see that there's, I, I, I see some sort of mental uh, something going on there for you to not, for you to prey on young girls because you can pay their phone bills or you know vice versa let's not leave out the women you know to prey on young boys who may be you know looking to have a girlfriend you know they're reaching that puberty age and they're trying to you know make sure they're cool you know have something to tell their friend like it just to me I just see something so mentally wrong with that with the people who just think that way I I just some of the research does say it's mental issues involved but then also, do we have to think about it from a perspective of, let's say it's a male teacher, female teacher, they're looking for that sense of belonging, that sense of security. Or are they looking for something that's easy? Because mm. a lot of the students, um, kind of go back to Chris, the point that you were talking about, the high school example, um, how the guys were kind of hanging around or ladies or whatever. Like the student, I guess, looks at this teacher-student relationship as, I guess, the cool thing or the okay thing. And they're vulnerable at that time. Let's be honest. But let's be honest. If you're a high school guy and you have a nice, young-looking teacher that's like a check bucket list item as a high school guy to say you're with your teacher. If they were nice and young. You saying no, Jake? That line, man. Uh, you, bro, you, if you're a student, though. I know. I, 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 and I'm thinking back. <laughs> like, I'm trying to put myself there. But it ain't. Like, nah. I can see it. But, nah. Because I think about, I got friends, and they would see a picture of an attractive teacher, and their child would be, let's say, at that school. And they're like, man, what are you doing? If I were you, if I were you, <laughs> and I'm thinking realistically, if you were your son, you would be doing the same thing your son's doing. Winning on and going to class and leaving. It'll just end. You got to know it's going to end bad. It always does. It's going to end bad. Like, it's nothing positive is going to come from that. It's just too many loopholes. Like, it's just. So as we think about the loopholes and different things, let's think about. Notice male teachers are punished differently than female teachers. A lot of times when we look at these different cases, we can think about Mary Kay Letourneau. From, it was an older case in the 90s. She was a woman married. She was married. She had a sexual relationship with one of her 12-year-old students. And if I'm not mistaken, she got pregnant by him at some point, went to jail. It was and like then, in a Lifetime movie. It was, I think it was. And they got awesome. married. 
Then you have a Pennsylvania teacher, 33 years old. She approached a 70-year-old student. And then this is an interesting case. A 14-year-old student in Florida wrote his cell phone number on the classroom chalkboard because he wanted a classmate he liked to call him. The student indeed was contacted, but not by the girl, but by his 32-year-old teacher. Oh, sis. So you have, but when you look at these female teachers that pursue the students, typically they get like probation, one or two years in jail. But then we look at male court cases, there's a court case in Polk County years ago. This one teacher, he's a male teacher, he was messing with middle school students. They gave him, I believe, 40 years in prison. Wow. And then then there was another teacher he taught at the high school. He had a relationship with the high school student. He only got two years and then probation time. And the judge said the difference in those two cases, one was middle school, one was high school. But why why do you all think male teachers get much, much severer sentences than female teachers? Double standard, like everything else we have going on. Double standards, and our judicial system is broken. We already know it's not consistent. Um, I can get caught with something, and somebody else can get caught with the same thing, and I can definitely get a harsher uh, punishment. So when we talk about, it's too many factors that go into that. Our world is just filled with stereotypes and double standards. It's, It's... they don't separate all of that, just to be honest with you. And, it, and that's just the way it is, I see. And our judicial system doesn't do anything to help that. It, it's, it does not function. It's not functioning at all. If we talk about functions, <laughs> like every, the same input don't get the same output every time. So it's, that's what I'm seeing. And the male is looked at, I think, in a lot of societies as, you know, the dominant one or that aggressor however you want to look at it. And it's it's like if a situation like that, teacher-student relationship, he's automatically assumed guilty. Like you did it, you initiated it, and it was your fault. You're the reason that she acted in such a way or, or whatever. And a female teacher's looked at, okay, let's dig a little deeper and see exactly what happened. No. And so, like, well, they're both wrong. Like how are you looking at it? one this way and you're going to look at that one that way. But they're both wrong. That's the thing about it. So we have to think about, do you all think it will ever stop or what will it take to stop it? I think, I mean, my number one thing is I'm nosy. I walk around my classroom listening to everybody's conversation. I'm walking around lunch. I'm asking you, what you say, girl? Oh, uh, what happened? Where'd you go? I, I'm getting as much information as I can't miss. You listen to our comment? I sure am. I sure am. Tell me more. And then tell me a little bit more after that. I'm nosy. I listen to everybody's conversation. Even if you don't want me to, even if you was trying to whisper, I'm going to get a little closer. And I'm trying to get as much information as I can, even without you wanting me to know sometimes. Um, And furthermore, I think that in the same sense that we have, you know, these champions for students where we see, you know, just alarming behavior, I think every child needs at least two champions in a school because, you know, the problematic thing with only having one is that that person might end up being the one to cross the line. So if there's two people and you start noticing inconsistent behavior, you know, you can meet up with that person and say, oh, I'm noticing this. And if they seem standoffish or, you know, if they're noticing the same things, then you have a way of of communicating it and tracking behavior over time 
that will be associated with, you know, some some inappropriate behavior in the background. And one thing is people got to tell, they got to report it. Because yeah. if you notice with these teachers, oftentimes it's more than one student, whether it's male or female. So at what point does it want someone to say, hey, I need to tell somebody this. Like, or confront their coworker, you are a predator and you don't belong here. Yeah. And then there's a case hold them accountable. Hold them accountable. But then there's yeah. a case going on not here in Florida where there was an administrator, there was a teacher who got in trouble for a relationship with a student, was either terminated or almost fired, one of the two. And then they, they went to another school district and got a job and their former administrator never reported it. Oh, so wow. It's again, how do we hold teachers accountable? And at what point do we say, I don't care how great you can teach, let's say reading, if you're essentially molesting kids or hurting kids, I don't care how great a teacher you are. You got to go. And I'm assuming that the prior administration that didn't report that incident, there were no, there wasn't reprimanded in any way at so all. It's on. It's literally ongoing as we speak. Gotcha. To find out what actions, if any, can be taken or will be talking will be taken. Because that's oh. unique. Someone literally recommends you for a job. And they say, yeah, this is okay, knowing this person hurts students. And my thing is, beyond the relationship or whatever happened, how can you vouch for another teacher that hurts students? Yeah. I mean, that's just like us being mandated reporters. I'm, I'm mandated to report on anything that I suspect is happening with a child. As an administration, you're over everybody. You're, you should be mandated to report Anything that's happening amongst your teachers, your staff, your faculty, like that, I feel like that should just be a given. Like you make us watch a video and take a quiz every year <laughs> for sexual harassment training and tell us everything that we're supposed to do, and then you don't do it. Again, uh, it's the nature of the be- the nature of the beast that we're facing. Now, I want to help our listeners out there. Here's some things for signs of sexual abuse. And it's for teachers, but it can be for anybody because it doesn't matter to me while we're focusing on teachers, even if it's a family member, if it's someone who's getting sexually abused, it's not right. Here's some things to look out for. Unexplained nightmares or sleep problems, refusal to eat, loss of appetite, sudden mood swings, a new uh, unusual fear of certain person or place, exhibits knowledge of adult sexual behaviors, Draws, writes, dreams, or talks about frightening images or sexual acts. Thinks of themselves or their body as bad or dirty. Not wanting to be hugged or touched. So those are just some signs of sexual abuse. Obviously, some other things could go into play. But my thing is, for every person out there listening to our voices, if you think it's happening, I would rather you report it and we find out nothing. It'd be wrong. Mm -hmm. and not report it and something happens to a child because the psychological damage is huge and ongoing and long-term. And I tell educators all the time, if you, in that need of love and affection, there's Tinder, there's Craigslist, (laughs) Backpage, there's a a bar, go get drunk and (laughs) find some, but I, I don't, I've never seen what was the fantasy with someone under 18, like they're a kid. So as educators- Their brain's not even developed. Their body's nothing. not developed. Like it doesn't- Nothing. 
so so obviously, as you stated earlier, Lila, there's some mental issues involved. But if you just sexually frustrated, you need to go on Tinder, a Craigslist, or Payboard, and just take your chances with that. But don't victimize these kids because victimizing relationships create huge trust issues later on when these students become adults. And this is leading doctor said. When their sexual boundaries are violated by adults, the consequences are long-standing. Mm. And it doesn't matter if they're male or female. So we have to figure out a way to, I don't want to slow it down. We got to figure out a way. It's in education, which we can control, we got to stop it. Yeah. Point blank, period. Yeah. So any closing thoughts on this topic of sexual abuse? Just be, you know, more intentional um, with what you're doing. I think Lila had a key point earlier. You know, she asks those questions um, to her. She's very inquisitive. Like she wants to know what's going on. I think the more we can be inquisitive while we're around the kids and asking these kind of questions, I think we'll either, you know, reveal some stuff that's going on or we'll know exactly what's going on, you know, around us. So be, be intentional every single day. I know it's on top of everything else you have to do as a teacher, um, as an educator, but uh, be intentional every day. Absolutely. And being one of the good guys, we need to be building those positive, those positive and appropriate teacher-student relationships. So we notice when those things happen. We we can sense that something is different. We can sense that um, they need to talk, that their vibe is off. They're they're not in a good mood today. We need to actually be able to notice those things based on what I already know about this child. If I already know that they come in every single day smiling and skipping and today they not, oh, we got to talk. We got to talk, girl. We got to talk, little boy. Like, you need to be paying attention. Just like Jay said, we need to be intentional. We need to be paying attention to our kids. I'll leave with this. If you're an educator out there and you think your colleague is abusing kids, tell somebody. If you're a student out there who thinks or, or knows one of your friends is getting abused by a teacher, tell somebody. We have to tell somebody if they don't do anything, tell somebody else, call the police. But this is going to stop among educators. We're not going to have ourselves in a negative light for yeah. touching these There's kids. There's no such thing as consensual. None. It, it's not such thing. That's the, that's the thing. I don't care if they, your friend seems happy or the kids seem... No. Mm-mm. Stop touching them kids. If they still touching them, call me. I could be shaft and I come to your school and yes. they, we can touch each other. And, and, and I'll it won't be that too. kind of touch. <laughs> I'm full up too. <laughs> but it's definitely an interesting topic. Something we definitely need to keep keep on the forefront of minds of educators, because yep. every year someone's in the news, and eventually this has to stop at some point. So as we think about the Inspiring Educators podcast, one of our big things is we want to provide you all inspiration. Every episode we have an inspirational moment. This week's inspirational moment is brought to you by Coach Jay Grimes. Jay, do you have something for the listeners out there? I do. I do. Um, Just, you know, sharing our thoughts around this topic. uh, My mind has kind of traveled to seven keywords. Educators every day. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Like know why you're doing your job every single day you know think about the thing that fuels you what motivates you you know what what keeps you engaged and it's not going down that direction and doing something um these kids have very impressionable minds and a lot of them 
They want to emulate what they see. They want to be you. Um, they look up to you. Um, and, and sometimes if we are planting these negative seeds and, and just going down the wrong road, you know, it's just always going to end bad. Um, I think if you always just go into every day and know why you're doing what you're doing, keeping the main thing, the main thing, you're there to inspire, you're there to motivate the students, um, all the positive stuff. Don't go down the wrong road. Don't, don't include any of your personal agendas, any hidden agendas, any ulterior motives. Like know why you're there and, and what you're doing, man. So those are my thoughts. Every day, um, us as educators, if we keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's the students um, and their education at the forefront and us being role models to them, um, I think we can uh, minimize a lot of these negative situations um, in the, that are happening in the schools every day. Thank you, Jaden, for the inspirational moment for our educators out there who are doing an awesome job each and every day. Any closing thoughts, my awesome, inspiring educators? No, I just want everybody to have a great week. Is is despite everything that we go through as teachers, as educators, continue to see the positive, continue to be inspired, continue to to be motivated to do something bigger and better every day. Jay, a final thought. I echo those sentiments. Um, you're always under a microscope every day. We all are, right? So inspire, motivate, um, do what you do best. Um, keep adding fuel to that fire and, and know that you're helping make this world a better place by what you're doing every day in a positive light. So, and keep being great, keep being great. And my final thought is stop touching these kids.